Headline Hollywood. Entertainment cronies and cinema elitists hand out awards for excellence in moving pictures. Sometimes the winners don't hold up to the test of time. So we're here in the future to tell them how they got it wrong. This is Switch the Envelope. Welcome to Switch the Envelope, the podcast that aims at rewriting Hollywood award history. My name is Corey. And I'm Jeff. Each episode, we take a stab at a year in a category from the Academy Awards and tell you who should have really won. And we never believe it's the actual winner. Hardly ever. You know, we'll, we'll see. I don't know. We may come across a, uh, a category or a year where, you know, they got it right. I doubt it. But, you know. Well, if we did, that would be the complete... Opposite intention of our podcast. We would stop doing the podcast, really. We would find that one year and we'd be like, well, I guess we're we're done. done. (laughs) (laughs) Just wrap it up. Just go ahead and... We're going to go home. Turn it off. No need to do anything else. Well, we've probably found at least one year where we can say the Academy, hey guys, you did your job. You did good good work this year, guys. There are are plenty of years and and plenty of categories in which they, they do sort of pick a person who is worthy of winning for sure although uh, arguments can always well, be made for other people who did notable work that year as well well we know we know that's the case because that's what we do we switch the envelope to right. somebody who that year was nominated but i'm saying if we ever found one that was hey you guys did a good job this year i mean when we did our first podcast and we did the forrest gump i mean forrest gump we agreed was not should not be the winner but we almost agreed that eh, you know all all these candidates were oh, I keep we keep saying candidates. candidates yeah they're nominees all these nominees were you know they could have all won they could have all won this, this yeah year. all of them were sort of deserving of at least being nominated for sure they were I mean besides four weddings and funeral but they they were all they were all really <laughs> and good quiz films. show well, quiz show is definitely one of those that's like nomin- nomination worthy but I agree with the Academy and should that have respect. a nomination for a crap movie well. <laughs> <laughs> Should have had a Razzie. It, it might have. Who knows? It's a decent movie. It's just slow, you know. But speaking to this particular episode, we need to fire up our super time computer, Al, Al. and let us know what we're going to be diving into this year. Maybe Al will throw us a curveball this year. Okay, so this uh, Al, sure. let's uh, let's look at what we what year you've given us. So as we have played. In weeks past, we are going to throw out this year, and Corey does not know what year we have been given. So we're going to play a little game, and I'm going to throw out some headlines. So some headlines that happened from the newspaper that year. Now, um, just looking down this list, this is a year that was very significant for me, and I know it was significant for Corey. Oh. So I guarantee he's going to get it within maybe one or two headlines. So if Corey gets this, we're going to keep rolling. We're going to keep going. Let's throw out some more headlines. So if you do get this. Just just tell me you got it, all right? And then we'll see. We'll throw we'll, some more we'll, out. We'll see after the first clue. If I know after the first clue, I'll just be like, yeah, I know it, and I'll let you go through the rest of the headlines, and then I'll tell you what year it is at the end. Okay, so. Let's see. In January of this year, the world saw the impeachment of Bill Clinton. Ooh. The impeachment of Bill Clinton for having lied about sexual relations with Monica Lewinsky. I mean, it was definitely in his second term. I know the sort of area that we're talking about. I, I don't think I know the exact well, we all know area. the area we're talking about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Involved a cigar. It was amazing. Uh, also, I don't know if it was very, amazing. very gross for him to abuse his power that way. Yes, yes. Read the Ken Starr <clears throat> report. Right. Okay, so... Um, so yeah, I, I don't I don't actually know the year. I have I have an idea of one of two years. I know it was second term, Bill Clinton. I know it was like mid to late uh, second term. But okay. I'm not sure. I, like, I, I could guess right now, but uh, I'll, I'll wait till the next... Okay, so this is the one. This is a, this is a sad clue, but this was the... Um, this is the when... This this year was when Columbine happened. I know exactly what year this is. Yeah, yeah. this when when I when I was looking up the headlines, and I saw okay. I saw this year. I was like, oh shit! I, I would I would if you were asking me these questions, I would be like, as soon as you said Columbine, I'd be like, I know the year. This was yeah, like like you mentioned at the top of the show. This is a very uh, sort of impactful year. Uh, very like I know exactly where I was when that was happening. It was yeah. uh, April twentieth of this year. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it it affected. Uh, it affected, uh, I mean, because we were uh, relatively the same age as the kids that were involved in Columbine at the same time. Yeah, I was in high school when this happened. Yeah, so, so it, it, was, uh, it was a real heavy, <laughs> heavy uh, moment in, in history. 
that stuck with us. So um, we'll keep going just so so uh, anybody yeah. listening can kind of can kind of play along. So the impeachment of Bill Clinton happened this year in January, and then in April was Columbine. Yep. Uh, this year, a notable be- death was Stanley Kubrick had passed away. Oh, now Stanley I actually Kubrick died in that year. Stanley Kubrick died that oh. year. Actually, I had would I had no idea that Stanley Kubrick died this year. You should have mixed up those clues. Yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> now I would have known from this because I remember when this movie came out. The Blair Witch Project came out this year. Yeah, that the Blair Witch came out, Project came out because I remember them coming up to present an award at the MTV Video Music Awards, uh-huh. and I remember Chris Rock coming up and saying at the Music Awards how much how much everybody had made and. <laughs> How they much they had made the Blair Witch Project for, oh, yeah. and his joke was, they only made it for like eleven million dollars, and he said someone's walking around with ten million dollars, <laughs> <laughs> and I can't remember the exact yeah. amount, the amount, but that was basically the joke. You know what? I I bet I bet a bunch of that money went to their uh, marketing campaign. Do you remember the marketing campaign for Blair Witch? No. They had a whole website. Oh yeah, with it was all like of a the countdown Earth, like, or yeah. something. No, no, it wasn't even a countdown. It was like the entire history of. The Blair Witch and these yeah. these tapes yeah, and that. all that kind of stuff. That was before they, like the me, the social social media. That was before oh, yeah, yeah. the internet was. I mean, the well, was the internet was there. Was there. I mean, yeah, but it was like it was, it was essentially like a GeoCity site. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Angel Fire. And yeah, like everybody sort of took it as fact. You're reading this off the internet, and it's the story of this whatever you know, all these mysterious back then, things Al Gore happening. Invented the internet. Right. With the CIA. Exactly. <laughs> Before his boss started diddling interns. Yeah. And, um, but the Blair Witch, they were so detailed in their backstory and all of the history that looked real and they had photos and like all of this documentation. Uh, but it, it, it sort of captured the imagination of, of everybody, especially us teenage types. That you know, Horror films cater to, to young adolescents anyway but then when you add all this backstory and everybody thinking it's real and stuff and the whole crux of the movie is that it's you know found footage i think that that's the first time i remember found footage happening i'm sure it happened before but like you know this whole like edit from something that is fake but presented as real um is really uh it's an interesting you know sort of move forward in in filmmaking especially in the marketing side of filmmaking you know, that, that was like the first viral movie marketing marketing campaign that I that I you know remember at least. But yeah, I do I do know the year, still. Awesome. <laughs> and then the last thing I'll say Confirmed. is it's the year of Y two K. Yeah, well there you go. It's nineteen ninety nine. We're gonna party like the Prince song. So yeah, it's Y two K. It was the year of you know everyone thinking that that once the clocks turned over. That everything was going to melt. Oh, do, yeah! You remember that that whole scare of Y two K? Like, yeah, man, I was in an I was in an underground bunker. <laughs> it was insane in Montana. The way people thought that like computers were going to tick over and it was going to reset to the year zero, and none of the like time locks on anything. There were, had to have been a disaster to... movie about this. What 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 was the Y two K movie that year? I don't I don't remember like a theatrical released movie about Y two K specifically. Well, I do remember that they had Entrapment came out in 1999. Entrapment? That mm. utilized the Y2K craze because that's uh, when they stole money. They used the they used Y2K as a way to steal money because the clocks would be changing over and they took like 10 seconds or 15 seconds to steal money from the bank. That was the that was the point of the movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now looking back on it, it looks it sounds kind of stupid. Yeah, that does not hold up to time. <laughs> <laughs> That would get one less finger on our metric, <laughs> for sure. Well, I mean, I mean, at the time, it sounded like a good idea. I mean, and that was sure. a great movie, except that, except like, for the fact that Catherine Zeta-Jones was banging Sean Connery. Yeah, that's mm, less than blue. I, I don't, I don't understand. It, Although it have, she married, she married. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it is, uh, you know, sort of like it's feasible given her her own history. But like Hollywood often casts older males with younger females and it's kind of gross but usually the older males they cast them with are sean connery (laughs) (laughs) well sean connery is a bit of a misogynist tool himself but you know they cast him with sean connery and they cast him with uh who else is one of the one of the older males that is always cast with younger hot women well i mean like nicholas cage is he in that category already yeah well i mean like your favorite movie next He's paired up with Jessica Biel. It's not my favorite movie. It's just not. A, I'm saying it's not. It's not a bad movie. It is. Wait. It's it a is bad a terrible movie. movie. <laughs> it's a bad movie. And, but it's a good movie until the end. That's what I've always said. Is that it's a good movie. You're with it 
I'm with it, and then it gets to the end, and then it just falls apart. I understand. I mean, it. It's so yes, it is a terrible movie. It's pretty thin the entire way, but it, it's it's, in, I'm it's with engaging, it. I guess, it, to a certain extent. In that, like, the premise is interesting that he can like predict the future for sixty seconds. But it, it's Nicholas. It's like a forty-something Nicholas Cage paired up with a young, hot twenty-something Jessica Biel. Yeah, and it's I don't know, like that that kind of casting choice. I'm not sure w- what possesses Hollywood to do that. You know, like it's it's just kind of a weird thing that they do. But like the Sean Connery, because Captain Zeta Jones thing is is like it's a huge huge gap. N- not that I'm ageist or anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> old people need to fuck too. But like uh, that's a a, a common know. thing in Hollywood movies. It's where rare to take see a woman older, who is older, older be used as a sex symbol, except for Helen Mirren. For some uh, reason, oh, man. Helen Mirren is used as a sex symbol in Red. She is used as a sex symbol through that whole movie. And good honor, man. She gets away with it. I've got where it other women bad. are not. I don't. Other women, women in Hollywood aren't le- aren't allowed to be that way. I'm just saying, like I got it bad for Helen Mirren. Man, I would have so much fun with Helen Mirren now. N- not even a. Not even <laughs> that, man. <laughs> I I would have the best weekend with Helen Mirren. Oh God, that's so gross, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, Helen Helen Mirren, who. She's she's way sexy. <laughs> Through all eras of Helen Mirren. Should I get some ice cubes, man? You, you. I'm getting a little warm over here. Am I turning red? I think I'm turning red. You're turning red. red. Yeah. You're turning red, man. <laughs> all right, but over we're Helen talking... Helen Mirren. I love, I love me some if Helen you, Mirren. If you're listening to this and you don't know who Helen Mirren is, please Google Helen Mirren. Oh, and Helen Mirren, if you're listening, I will leave my wife. <laughs> uh, my wife listens to the podcast, so hi, honey. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so going back to 1999, let's take a look at the highest-grossing movies of 1999. How about that? All right, let's go. All right, starting at number ten, the aforementioned The Blair Witch Project. Yes. Um, uh, again, somebody's running away with more than just ten million dollars. Chris Rock. Uh, that movie made 140 million dollars at the box office. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That movie is. I I, I didn't I didn't see the point of that movie. Uh, again, like it was also the, sickening to watch. It was it was hard to watch, um, you, you know, not to be topped. I had to take until a to watch that movie. It it was not I had the little wristband. <laughs> I had the little wristband. Get some ginger candies. Work. Ginger candies. Yeah. It it was not really like there wasn't a movie some past that beer. that was more vomit inducing in theaters, uh, just from the shaky camness than uh, until Cloverfield came along. Remember Cloverfield? Yeah. Yeah. So like that was the next one where they like upped the ante of shaky cam, and there were people vomiting. In theaters because they just got so motion sick watching the movie. That's so weird to me to like watch a movie and get motion. I don't get motion sick at all, so it's kind of a foreign concept to me. So that's the Blair Witch Project uh, number nine, Runaway Bride. I think that's um, that is Julie Roberts. Julie Roberts and her Pretty Woman co-star Richard Gere. Richard, motherfucking Gear. Yeah, Richard Emilio Gear. Is it his middle name Emilio? I have no idea. Don't bother looking that up, Al. We're just going to move on. Runaway sure. Bride is terrible. <clears throat> Number eight, a movie that I liked a lot. I liked this movie a lot. Um, the Return. He <laughs> wasn't The Return, but like uh, to this podcast. Uh, Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser. Fraser. Uh, in The Mummy. Oh, fuck, I love The Mummy. Yeah, The Mummy's a real That's a good great movie. movie. It's a real good movie. Not an Oscar caliber movie, but a really good movie. A That's real a fun, fun movie. Really fun time at the movies. Um, especially this first one. By the time they get to the Scorpion King, it kind of loses. Its I didn't watch the Scorpion. They had added the Rock, and that's before the Rock was a good actor. Yeah, that was when I. That was I'm not a fun actor. There's also I some put him in the good category. There's but. some really terrible CG when you get to the Scorpion King stuff. That's god awful. But the Mummy has pretty subtle CG. I, I'm I'm remembering. I, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't seen sand, it very. When the sand comes up and the mummy turns into the becomes sand. into a face, yeah, and like yeah. the mummy, um, his face being you know like yeah, it's not deteriorated. That, and when stuff. you go back and look to it at, at it now, it still looks like dated, but still, mm-hmm. who cares? I mean, it's it was fun. It, it still was is real real fun movie. Uh, then Big Daddy, the Adam Sandler vehicle. <laughs> that's one of the that's one of the few Adam Sandler movies that I actually enjoy. It's one of the better ones. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. Uh, those kids are very very. Uh, charismatic that the twins that play his son yeah um they're very cute and um uh, joey lauren adams doesn't that kid Lawrence play Lauren, that kid lauren plays adams? ross's son in friends i think 
the, the two the is twins it? or whatever. Yeah, that and that ends up being Ross's son and friends. Huh. Well, they they also went on to have a illustrious Disney Channel career. Yeah. As the Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, where they didn't have to be uh, playing the same part. Uh, next up is Tarzan. I'm guessing this that is, is the, the worst Disney Disney animated Tarzan. Is that the animated version? I believe worst it is animated Disney film. Yeah, I mean, great soundtrack by Phil Collins. I was going to say, not a lot of kids were super hype on the soundtrack by Phil Collins. Phil Collins, come on, in the air of the night. I don't believe that made it into the film, but you know. He was like sizzling to bacon. (laughs) Uh, Number five, now we're getting into sort of the movies that I remember seeing specifically in 1999. Um, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. This would be the second Austin Powers movie. Uh, moving on to number three, Toy Story 2, the sequel of, of Toy Story, yeah, which good. is a really good film. But I, I like those films. Of the Toy Story films, uh, I remember the least, Toy Story 2. Yeah, but Toy Story 3, the one that makes everybody cry? Yeah. Come on, man. To- no, 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 no. The Toy Story films, I've enjoyed every single one of them. I don't remember a lot of detail. Like, when- yeah, but that's probably, that's honestly just because of your age. No, because I remember a lot of Toy Story and because a lot of Toy were, Story 3. you were at the age, Toy Story, you were at the age where you were watching it. Toy Story 3, you were probably age at the age where you were old enough to appreciate it. Toy Story 2, you were probably just not caring. To be honest, I, I may have made out through most of Toy Story 2. That's what I'm saying. You really are not caring. You're like, I got a girlfriend. I'm, yeah. What am I going to, you know what I'm saying? There were boobs next to me, so that, yeah. <clears throat> that would have been very distracting. Uh, number two, one of my favorite movies from this year. The Sixth Sense. Absolutely. Which I believe is on an, on our nominee list. It is nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, it's it's going to be on our, our Best Picture list. That movie, the 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 hook of that movie, the the switch in that movie was so good. Yeah, it was it was so good that M. Night Shyamalan could not do better. <laughs> he peaked. And his he first movie. He peaked with his first movie. He really did. Uh, yeah, to to a certain extent, he's made good films since, but yeah, they've been none of them have been none as good of as, none of them have been Sixth Sense. Village was a good movie, see, but the, the, it wasn't uh, the Sixth Sense. Like Unbreakable was a good movie. Unbreakable was um, okay. The uh, Signs was good until you Actually, like I lived with the aliens too much. I thought Signs was a good movie. I thought when I watched, I still like watching Signs. I think you can watch it over and over again. It's fun. It's a fun. It's a fun alien movie. Um, all right, moving on from the Sixth Sense, the number one movie for the second episode in a row, we have a Star Wars movie. This one being Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Your favorite? I didn't say it's my favorite. I said it's the best of the first of original three. Your favorite of the first trilogy, or the one, two, three? Absolutely, I'll stand by that. Okay, I will. I mean, it definitely has one of the coolest fight sequences, aside from Yoda. And if I'm gonna have to, if somebody's gonna sit me sit down and make me watch all three of the first of one, two, three, I'm gonna watch the first one. The other two are weak, and they have what's it called Anakin in them, and, they're <laughs> yeah. ter- and he can't act. If they had just done like we're gonna do Anakin Skywalker as a kid and how he f- gets found into the you know whatever you know how he becomes basically a Jedi, that I think I would have been fine with. Just as like a, a little like they do now with the Star Wars a Star Wars story, you know, is just sort of a one off little little story that kind of gives you a little bit of backstory. Um, it's a part of something so much more wholly terrible <laughs> that it's hard to excuse some of the things. And then in the grand scheme of that story, the stuff that happens in Phantom Menace is like half of that movie you didn't really need. I mean, half of the other movies you didn't even need in, you know, either. But Yeah, but you don't watch Star Wars for the stuff you have to have. You watch it for all the stuff you don't need. Well, I'll I'll tell you this. This is the highest grossing of the trilogy. There's a reason for that. It's the best one. No, it's not because it's the best one. It's because everybody was like, oh my God, George Lucas is making Star Wars again. Everybody went to this movie. And then by like a hundred million dollars, yeah, people didn't go to the yeah, second one. I'll agree with you on that. That's a hundred percent the reason. <laughs> there was a lot of rage for Phantom Menace when it came out. A lot of rage. Yeah, it was not. I mean, there, that's when the whole like George Lucas ruined my childhood stuff started <laughs> making its rounds. There was more rage back then about him going back and redoing the old films. Oh, that too, yeah. Because he started to do that at the same time. Yeah, he kept meddling. When he started doing that with the old films, there was more rage about that because he was he had just before these came out, he'd start re-releasing uh-huh. into theaters the old films. So there's more rage about that than there was added, about this film with added um, special effects and like, yeah, well, he, shots he added and stuff. in like a like a 
I don't remember the name of the actual animals. There's people out there that know the actual names, but sure. you know the the four legged creatures that were walking through. Uh, behind Luke and mm-hmm. Obi Wan, you know th- those creatures that were added, like right. those things, they didn't even need to be there. You know what's funny is uh, Star Wars holds up pretty well. The affected Star Wars, those little scenes where he's added, you know, um, overhead shots of of a uh, you know city and Tatooine or you know whatever, those make it look cheesy because there's such a difference between quality of the CG shots and the original Star Wars trilogy look that it does not help those movies age well going forward. So if you only saw those movies, you'd be like, oh, it's some cheesy special effects. But for the Academy, these were the nominees. The nominees for Best Picture in 2000 were American Beauty. The Cider House Rules, The Green Mile, The Insider, and The Sixth Sense. All very good movies. And, you know, um, all all of those are really good films. You know, um, I think that there's there's a bunch of movies that um, are also worthy of maybe considering adding to this. Because, like I said, 1999 was pretty stacked with movies. Is there anything else from that from that year that that we feel could have stood up against some of those movies? I think there's yes. at least there's at a least co- there's, one. There's several that year that go go in. So all right, um, you pick one. Um how about you? You'll start. You all right, start I'll start. Going. Uh Fight Club. Just cuz just cuz of the shirt you're wearing. It's <laughs> Fight. sexy. Fight Club. It's, it's really sexy. It's green. Shows your pecs. Fight Club. Like nice packs. Oh my god, <laughs> we're never gonna get move on <laughs> and reset. No reset, man. Fight club. Oh my god. <laughs> <clears throat> Stir of echoes. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. F- Fight, Fight club. club. Fight club is is a, a movie that is um, really entertaining. It's very well cast. It holds up over time. Uh, it's become... It's a great book. It's a great book. Uh, the The filmmaking part of that movie is really interestingly done. You know, it, it's a great film. It, it holds up to multiple viewings, and it's definitely one of those that I would recommend, you know. So I, I think it could have held its own in that category. I'm surprised that it wasn't even, you know, in consideration. I agree 100% that... Fight Club should have been in there. I think um, uh, what's his name? What's his name? What's his name? What's his name? Edward Norton. Edward Norton. Thank you. Edward Norton and Brad Pitt. Actually, I think Brad Pitt was actually better than that than Edward Norton. They were both really good. Yeah, but in that movie, I mean, Ed Norton is is a you know an Academy Award guy. You sure. know, he's the guy that you would think that would be that. Brad Pitt makes that. Brad movie. Pitt makes that movie. Yeah, absolutely. Edward Norton is the straight guy in that. I mean, Brad Pitt is the movie. In yeah, fact, I would go and watch that movie right now. It's it's <laughs> such that, a that good film. Movie. It is such a good film. Yeah, like I would watch that any day, any time. Like, yeah, let's get into some Fight Club. And I, mean, I, I let my kids watch it, <laughs> especially when he shoots himself in the head at the end or in the mouth. So uh, yeah, what's another movie? You, you got one? One of the best acted and one of the best scripts from this year was Wild Wild West. <laughs> I think that Kevin Klein and um, <laughs> Will Smith put out one of the best cinematic oh, performances of the year. That movie. With a giant spider that takes over oh, Utah. That movie is incredibly racist. <laughs> it's it's the weirdest thing because, you know, Will Smith plays Jim West, so they're, they're breaking sort of race... Um, uh, barriers by you know making Jim West crossing racial lines. That's yeah, yeah, because Jim West in the TV show was a white dude. So casting, you know, one of the biggest stars on the planet at the time, Will Smith, was an interesting choice. You know, and one that um, I think kind of worked. Like his play against uh, Kevin Klein, like they worked. It, it was weird, but the bad guy in that movie 
is so overtly racist the entire movie. Like, yeah, it's uncomfortable. It's also bad for persons with disabilities. Yes. Yeah, because he's he's disabled, isn't he? He's disabled. (sighs) Professor, is his name Lovejoy or Professor Love Loveless? Professor Loveless. Yeah, it's and then uh, not a good look. (laughs) They are making the 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 jokes they make back and forth to each other are so inappropriate inappropriate and awful it's yeah yeah it's it's not a good one we're not going to add that one to the list <laughs> you, do you have no. a real do you have a real okay. suggestion no you know what i will say i have to say something about a movie from this year because i know you can't stand this movie but i honestly think it's the best football movie of all time which is any given sunday oh i thought you were going to go varsity blues oh no no not varsity blues that was oh. a, that, i mean that's a fun movie that's yeah, a really fun movie. I think Any Given Sunday is a fun movie, too. But No, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Varsity Blues is a teen movie. Yeah. It's a teen movie. It's a pretty good teen movie. It's a I good don't teen want movie. your life. It's such a great movie. James With Vanderbeek. James Vanderbeek, and it's got uh, Scott Kahn, mm-hmm. who's got, does a, he plays an excellent part for the part that he has. And uh, what's Allie Larder? She's oh, the, yeah. The whipped cream girl. Whipped cream girl, man. Uh, That's, that jump-started her career for all of two years. This, this, I mean, American Pie came out this year, Varsity Blues. This was like the resurgence of... 80s like teen movies yeah Yeah. teen movie i mean varsity blues wasn't so comedy yeah yeah i mean there was funny parts but i wouldn't call it scott con was the con was a comedic relief he goes comic relief yes buck naked and puts his ass on glass in the movie and but more specifically like edgier teen movies or like r-rated teen comedies or whatever like this paved the way for you know like euro trip or excuse me um road Road trip trip. well euro trip too i guess but like those r-rated uh, teen movies. Well, Ten Things and, I Hate About You came out this year, which also did oh, really well. I I I love that movie. I, I know it's not a great movie, but I love that movie. <laughs> it had been it had been ten years probably since the real influx of teen movies that were successful. Yeah, I mean you had like Porky's and like Animal House. Not and, even that. You also had all the John Hughes movies that had oh, come out. Oh, the John Hughes movies. And yeah, now yeah. you're having another resurgence of teen movies that were very successful. And you had all that started with American Pie mm-hmm. and Ten Things I Hate About You. And then you had your She's All That. And then you oh, have yeah. everything comes out this year and two thousand in ninety nine, two thousand, that's whenever all these movies come out. Yeah. Ninety eight. Ninety eight have a lot of those. It was uh, it was a significant time uh, as a teenager being able to see teenage stories on the big screen in in that way i i remember like thinking like oh they're making movies for us yeah and all the even all the horror movies that came out were all te- centered around teen lives so you had scream mm-hmm. come out yeah oh yeah that's right scream you had the faculty come oh, out Oh damn the faculty all these movies came out that were centered on teen life and they had a lot of young stars that ended up being uh-huh. huge stars like like sean william scott tara reed too yeah paul walker um skeet Ulrich, yeah sarah michelle geller um, Feruza Balk, Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah, you had um, when Cruel Intentions came out. That's how you Reese Witherspoon, Reese Witherspoon, Ryan Felipe. Mm. Um, uh, speaking of Reese Witherspoon, though, she was in another movie uh, that came out this year. That is a really good movie, um, about teen life, I guess, uh, and that's Election with Matthew Broderick. I did not like that movie. <laughs> what? She annoyed me so much in that She's movie. She's supposed to I annoy could, you. I know, but I couldn't get through it because she was so annoying. Oh. Because she just, the way she was going after Matthew Broderick, just, I couldn't stand. I, I'm i not sure if if that, you know, goes up into Oscar caliber, but it is it is one of the better movies of 1999. Really? I, I, I don't agree with that. It's but so good. I, Election I, is so good. But I will say what's really funny is that our our um, in our inaugural episode, we talked about Stir of Echoes. Mm-hmm. We talked about um, Eyes Wide Shut. We we talked uh, we talked extensively about a lot of movies that came out this year. Yeah, like we just, mentioned at the top of this this episode, this was a pretty impactful I know, year it's for funny. both of us. It's, it's funny to me when I'm looking at this these movies. I'm like, you know, we mentioned a lot of these movies. In, in previous podcasts, just because they are this year, sort of represents kind of the the dawn of our of our like movie appreciation. It really did. You know what I mean? Like it really did. Yeah. When you when you become when you're 15, 16, and you discover like what you like, and then that sticks with you, like music, movies, TV shows, like that's the sort of 
like where when you go and become nostalgic for that stuff in your 30s or whatever like that's kind of the the wheelhouse that you're you're going to like those teenage years those prime years where you were latching on to things as fans uh, in a real big way where you could identify with things where you could you know really like grab onto a franchise or something like that you know I concur I will say though that the one thing that I don't think this is you know Oscar caliber acting or anything but you know, we have to talk about The Matrix because The Matrix came out this year. That was a game changer when that came out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the first Matrix? First of all, I'm not talking about game Matrix 2 or 3 because they no, were no. shit. They're but, all right. They fill out the trilogy and they do a good job of sort of finishing the story. Um, but they're not debatable, they're not as they're not as compelling as the first Matrix. That first Matrix is First of all, it's so a good movie. Awesome. It's a like, good movie. It's so awesome. There's nothing wrong with that movie. It's it's a great sci-fi film. Um when I got to college, my professor had us watch it and do a paper on that movie. <laughs> I'm not joking. Was was this the same film class I was in? No, it wasn't film class. It was oh, just it was, English. Oh, it was an English class. I was gonna say, I don't remember writing a, a paper on it was like English 160. That's funny. Yeah, it's it's a really There's well done story. Wrong with that film. The filmmaking, the you know, the two worlds, the way they dealt with that, the color correction before color correction was like uh, a super in vogue thing, where like the real world, quote unquote, was all in green, and then you find out it's the Matrix, and the Matrix grids are all green and black because it's all computer code. But I would say that similar things in storytelling in the Sixth Sense are used to better effect, and that's probably why the Sixth Sense gets nominated. You know. M. Night Shyamalan used a lot of foreshadowing and color and everything, much in the same way that the Wachowskis used it in The Matrix. But I think The Sixth Sense, you know, it just, it runs a little deeper. I would say that the reason why The Sixth Sense is more of an Oscar caliber movie is because, one, The Matrix is an action movie. And it's a martial arts movie. I martial mean, arts action movies do not get nominated for Academy Awards. If anyone was going to, though, The Matrix should have been. Yeah, but they don't get nominated. I mean... It's a heavy year, man. <laughs> yeah, but they also don't get... I mean, they don't get nominated. The only thing is that you have... Keanu Reeves is the star of that film. Uh-huh. If you had a actor who was a little more Oscar caliber in that part Maybe. of Neo, you're going to have Oscar contention because they're going to be looking at the film in a more serious way. Just like, because Bruce Willis, remember, he was in Pulp Fiction. People are looking at Sixth Sense more seriously. Plus, I mean, you know, the Academy Awards are a very political thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe the studio was pushing for that film to be nominated probably. for an Academy Award, and they weren't pushing for The Matrix. And I guarantee that year, The Matrix probably won everything for, for uh, special, special effects. effects. Oh, yeah, they revolutionized a whole bunch of special effects that were used that, in... That shot with, with him shooting the... With the bullet going... Dodging over, the bullets, Dodging yeah. the bullets, that changed everything. Just like... Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, yeah, changed everything. Yeah, no, no, yeah, I agree. It, it was definitely a leap forward in sort of film advancement, especially in special effects, you know, and and ways to tell a, a story. And and you know, I don't know if it was better than Galaxy Quest, which came out this year. I love Galaxy Quest. <laughs> I don't think it's Oscar caliber, and I mean, you'd have to contend with Muppets in Space <laughs> and other movies of that. All right, there there are two more movies that I I think are. Really contenders. The Iron Giant. This that's one of them. Are you fucking kidding? No, me? the Iron Giant is a masterful piece of work. <sighs> done by Brad Bird, who eventually went on to do The Incredibles, which is another great film. They happen to be animated, and the Academy at that time was like, animated films. They, You'll get they your still own wouldn't category. put an animated film up against a up against a what was it, live action film. They ha- they did for Toy Story Three, I think. I think Toy Story 3, Toy Story 3 was, did not go home with the Oscar. It didn't. But the Iron Giant, I believe, would be super... Uh, I think the the Iron Giant would, would totally be a contender for, for Best Picture. It's a great film. Well, I mean, that's what I think of with Secrets of Nim. <laughs> <clears throat> sure. Um, okay, so not the Iron Giant. We're not going to agree on, on the Iron Giant. I'm not going to... No, I'm not going to agree on the Iron Giant. Um, I think Iron Giant is just... Yeah. The, the last one was a toss-up in my mind. It was either Being John Mal- Malkovich or Man on the Moon. I'm not the biggest fan of Being John Malkovich um, as a movie, but I, I think it is worthy of saying it's one of the better motion pictures of the year. But to me, I lean more on Man on the Moon. And, you know, subsequent Oscars from here, when uh, an actor like that steps into the role of an iconic person in a biopic, they get 
tons of nominations, but for some reason, because Jim Carrey, you know, used his butt to talk in an Ace Ventura movie, he he gets snubbed. It's it's a, a weird thing, and I I, <clears throat> I mean I definitely think that you know we should come back to the acting category and reassess whether or not Jim Carrey was better than anybody else in this year. I think Jim I would Carrey say yes. was definitely better than Kevin Spacey in acting, but yeah. we're not doing acting today. We're doing. But I, I think that Man on the Moon should be included in our metric. Um, so make sure that criticism. we remember when we go. Yeah, we will. I think Man on the Moon was a good movie from that year. It's a fantastic movie. I think we need to make sure that we are judging it on the merit of the movie itself, not just on the acting. Because I do. Sure. I remember when Jim Carrey was in that movie, and I remember uh, how fantastic his acting was. Mm-hmm. But I thought the movie was a little slow for me. So I I can see I can see where that happens. I mean, at the time, I was pretty obsessed with Andy Kaufman and and playing basically pranks on the American people, Um, which was not always something that uh, people understood. That's ever more the reason to to do a movie like this to sort of give you more context into his life. Let's get to the metric. Let's get to the metric. Let's get through it. And we'll judge Man on the Moon based on the other films that were nominated at the time. And we'll see if it holds up to the other films. And, and I, I think also adding Fight Club. Yeah, the, Fight those, Club. Those two movies. So I, Fight Club and Man on the Moon added to the Just looking at these two films, Fight Club, hands down, better film than, than Man on the Moon. It's a different film. But it we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll run it, we'll run it through the test. we're comparing all see. these movies as Academy Awards and are they the best film of that year. And when we compare them all together... We have to see whether Fight Club stands up to Man on the Moon, how they are. And I just, knowing our metric, I think that Fight Club is going to stand up. So what our metric is, for those of you who have not listened to us, and if you haven't listened to us, then shame on you. (laughs) Because you are missing out on a fabulous array of wonderful conversation and gentle heavy petting between Corey and me. (laughs) The Switch the Envelope metric is based on five characteristics, or fingers as we call them, In order for a movie to be given a five-finger rating, our top rating, it must have all five components or fingers. It must be timeless, have a compelling story, be well cast, hold up to multiple viewings, and be a movie that you would recommend to a friend. Those are the qualifications for for our, our rating system for our movies. Let's go ahead and get into these nominees. I want to start... With Cider House Rules. The Cider House Rules. Okay. I actually think Cider House Rules is the weakest of the... I'm, it, it's the strongest movie for an Academy voter. It has the most gravitas. Oh, for an Academy voter. Yeah, for Academy yeah. Award voters because it's the traditional one. It's, it doesn't push any boundaries except for the fact that it's about abortion. But Because um, that's, a, that's a hot button issue. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it does deal with, with uh, taboos. But then he finds himself on a cider farm, you know? <laughs> yeah. Where so, the cider house rules. It does. So, <laughs> in my opinion, I think that <laughs> cider house rules is probably the weakest of the movies for us. All right. Um, so, this, the cider house rules. Take us through the metric. You know, I think it's a timeless movie because it approaches... Um, Approaches a political topic that right now is currently a hot button issue mm-hmm. in America. Right now, we have people debating a Supreme Court justice. So I think this is always a hot button issue ever since Roe versus Wade. Uh, it's timeless, yeah. Um, I Agreed. think it's a compelling story. I think it has. It is very well cast. It's got. It's got uh, Michael Caine. Michael Caine, right? And uh, Toby McGee. It's got Spider Man in it. <laughs> there's, there's there's a Marvel joke in there with Michael Caine and. Until McGuire, but uh, know, Marvel, Marvel DC, and DC yeah, joke get, in getting together, making some apple cider. Exactly. <laughs> I would not recommend this movie, and I don't think I could do multiple viewings of this movie. Uh, I've seen it multiple times. It's good every time I've seen it. When it was uh, up for rent, I block, but went to Blockbuster and got the Cider House rules because you, we liked you, it in the theater. You went into Blockbuster and made the conscious decision to rent Cider House rules in 1999. Yes, absolutely. When you could have rented like. American Pie. I might have done that as well. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, it's it's a good movie. I, I like. It. I would I would recommend people seeing uh, Cider House Rules. Um, four. 
It's a four finger score. Four fingers for side house rules, which I I I would probably is right where it needs to be. <laughs> okay, that's four, pretty high actually. Four, no, I mean on it, our metric, that's look, pretty high. It, Academy Award nominated films, I think, should really be four and and five. I think we gave Driving Miss Daisy three. We might have, or three and a half. I actually think Driving Miss Daisy is better than Cider House Rules. I disagree, but you know, that's why we run it through the metric, man. Yeah, I mean, it's totally unbiased and scientific. Uh, next movie, Green Mile. The Green Mile. Okay, the Green Mile. Let's see here. Is it timeless? Yeah, it's period piece, man. It is another period piece. It um, it doesn't feel incredibly dated. And also, this comes from another book. The book is really good. Yeah, it's a Stephen um, King novel, right? It's a Stephen King novel. It comes from a. It's a novella. Mm-hmm. It comes from a book of all of other novellas that that's where you get the body, which is Stand by Me. Stand by Me. Yeah, they're all in the same book. You know what's funny about Stephen King is, uh, or there's a there's a collection of his novellas. The best Stephen King movies come from Stephen King short stories. No, not necessarily. I mean, a lot of his movies, a lot of his, I mean, what's it called, um, The Shining was not. But the movie is very different from the book. I've never read. I've never read the book. St- Stephen King hates the the version that they made because it. When they changed the ending? Yeah, they changed so much of it that he was just like, they've destroyed my work. Uh, but The Green Mile is a good film. Uh, I remember watching it um, and and liking it. Uh, I think this is where we get introduced to Michael Clark Duncan? It is. It's him, his first major film. And then Tom Hanks, who can't pee. Yeah. Uh, there's a f- Now, I do not like the... I think I think it's it's very cliche the JC reference to Jesus. I thought John Coffee. Yeah, it's John like the Coffey. drink was spelled different. Yeah, I, I thought that was a little lame, but this is where the the movie loses a little bit of steam for me. Is there's some stuff in it that is corny, yeah. But then Sam Rockwell makes up for a lot of it, you know. So I, I <clears throat> let, let's let's run through the thing. It's it's timeless. Uh, is it compelling as a story? I think it's a compelling story. It's a good story. It's a compelling. And you know movie. what? There's yeah. so much in this story that actually, when you, I was watching it, I was very uncomfortable watching it in a the theater mm. because I mean the the parts where the guys on the Green Mile are getting when they're getting executed, the execution scenes. Yeah, it is so horrific. Especially when when he takes the sponge off. When the guy takes oh, the sponge off, and God. you just want to murder that order. Is it an orderly? Or no, a, no, no. He's he's like the son of the warden. The, that actor is uh, creepy. In the best way an actor can be it creepy. It brings that whole world to life that people who are not involved in the prison system mm-hmm. can never see. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it had just enough of that sort of realism to ground it, even though the story itself is sort of mystical. Like, it's sort of... It deals in, like, extra-worldly powers and, you know, whatever. Uh, the balance of, of which I think is is done nicely, but better than, like, some of these other movies. I, well, I mean, I, don't, I don't put know. it don't put it up against other movies. What we're gonna do is just wait on its own merit. Straight on, straight on the metric. And I think <clears throat> it is well cast. I mean, come on, it's it's, got, it's extremely it's well got cast. Such good. It's a, in extremely well cast. Yes. Yeah. Lieutenant Dan's in this movie, isn't he? Al is Gary Sinise in the Green Mile. Yes, he is. Oh, awesome. Confirmed. Okay. Yeah, Gary Sinise is in it. Um, the the farmer from Babe is in it. <laughs> you know. Also, Barry Pepper. Barry, oh, Barry Pepper. I like Barry Pepper a lot. You just like him from the sniper scene from, from uh, Saving Private, Saving Private, Saving Ryan. Private yeah. Ryan. Uh, okay, so it's well cast. Multiple uh, viewings. Does it hold up to multiple viewings? I think you can watch this movie multiple times, although it is like difficult movie to watch because of the execution scenes. They are very difficult to watch. I, I would They're say... They're very realistic. They feel realistic. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say for the... Acting alone, it's worth watching multiple times. And if you are a squeamish on some of those parts, you can kind of fast forward on, you know, whatever. Or, like, you know, just get, get grin and bear it because, like, Sam Rockwell's performance, uh, Tom Hanks's performance, you know, like, all of those people that are that Even are the creepy the movie, guy's performance. Right. It, it is great. So we should probably give a shout-out to the... The creepy dude? Creepy dude. And, um, oh, who's, who's the guy that... Oh, he's dead now. Um... Michael the, Jeter is probably the guy the you're talking mind. about. The guy, the the guy that's tortured. Michael Jeter, he's the guy that's tortured. He's the he's the prisoner who actually is put in the chair. The guy with the mouse doesn't have. Yeah, that's Michael Jeter. Michael Michael Jeter. Yeah, yeah. He he was a uh, 
He was on like uh, Sesame Street. David like Morris plays mime or something. David like Morris, who's also in, he's in everything. He's a character actor. He he's in. Oh yeah, that guy. Fuck, he's in so many things. Um, uh, he's in the Hurt Locker. He's in World War Z. Contact. Contact. That's yeah. what I'm thinking. He plays the dad in Contact. Yeah. Bonnie Hunt is in this movie. It's it's got a great cast. Oh yeah, the cast is fantastic. Yeah, this is this is at this is at peak. Peak Tom Hanks. This is after yeah after Forrest Gump. He's riding a big wave. He's he's doing a lot of things with his friends. He's got <laughs> so the creepy guy, the warden's breathtaking son. in Hollywood. <laughs> the war- the warden's son, the one that is so wonderfully creepy, is Doug Hutchinson. Multiple viewings. I mean, I've seen it multiple times, so I guess it, it it's fine. Uh, we'll, we'll give it a finger for that. Would you recommend this film? Is it one that somebody needs to see? I think it's a movie that I wouldn't walk up to someone and be like, "You have to see this movie." Yeah. I don't think I'd do that. I, I don't. I don't think I would. I, I, it doesn't compel me to go to people and tell them they have to see it. I would agree with your assessment. I, I do have to say, there's an actor in this movie that I we have to mention. Uh, you, you love this cast. John Polito is in this movie, and the reason I, I, nobody even knows who this guy is, but I have to tell you, man, he's the bad guy in The Rocketeer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was uh, um, the Sorvino. No, what's his face? The James Bond? Yeah. Um oh god damn, why is his name escaping me? Um The British dude. Yeah. I thought it was the British dude. It is. It is. But the guy okay, so there's a guy that owns the airfield uh-huh. in, in the Rocketeer who is kind of like the front for all the Nazi? No, stuff? he's the front for oh. the for, for Eddie Valentine, who is Paul Sorvino, mm-hmm. and he's the front guy. And that front guy gets like folded in half by the big by the Nazis. Oh yes, and that's this guy. Oh, <laughs> fun times. And I've never seen him in anything else, and he's in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to throw it out there, man, because it's the Rocketeer. The Rocketeer is awesome. Snubbed. Yeah, it's Jennifer Conley. Guaranteed, it was snubbed. <laughs> uh, so the Green Mile gets four, four fingers, four fingers. So just like Cider House rules, four fingers. Uh, moving I'm feeling on, good about the chances of other movies here. Yeah, m- moving on to The Insider. The Insider was on this list? Uh-huh. Oh, man. That's... It's a Russell Crowe vehicle? Yeah, you know what? That was actually good Russell Crowe. It's a good that's movie. That's before he did Master and Commander. It's... That's good. That's good Russell Crowe. It's... This is just after LA Confidential. It's a good movie, but it's also a boring movie. It's a really good movie, though, man. Yeah. It's a, it's a good... It's good, but it's boring but I'd say the same thing about Man on the Moon. I mean, I'm not comparing this one to that one, but we'll get to Man on the Moon. But like, you know, it, it's it's, it's an one adult of those movie. It's a it Tom is, Clancy it movie. Is an it's adult a dad movie. movie. I, like, yeah, I like it. It's one of those where I, I kind of have to be in the mood for the Insider. You know, like otherwise, I'm not going to want to sit through like the the doldrums of it to to get the payoff. But you know, it's it's fine. It's uh, no, it's better than fine. It's a good movie. It just I don't know. Run, run it, run it through. You know, I have to say, I don't really think it's an Oscar movie. The Insider. Yeah. Well, run, run it through the metric anyway. It, it was nominated. Timeless. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I mean, this to me is a series. It's part part of us. Yeah, it's part no, of. No, non- to me, this could be now. If oh this came yeah. Out now this would be a Netflix show. It would be an awesome a Netflix, Netflix show. movie. Yeah, which would be a great one. These sure. same actors would probably be in it. Maybe they'd be probably making the same quote they get. <laughs> Maybe yeah. In this movie, but this is a net. This is a TV drama or a HBO movie. This is an HBO movie to me. So not not super timeless. Um, Compelling story, eh? That's what I'm saying. It's a story you'd see on a Netflix movie. Yeah, I mean, or an com- HBO story. It's compelling enough. Like I, I like, I like the movie when I see it. But again, it's kind of boring. I, so I don't maybe like a half point. So you can't call it compelling and say it's boring. If it's compelling, it means it keeps you no, no, engaged. No. So like, it, of other movies that are like this, this that sort of like, I guess it's like a political thriller, right? Um, it's not very thrilling. <laughs> so you can't say it's compelling. So not compelling. It's, it's okay, not so. really timeless. It's not really compelling. It is well cast. <laughs> I'll it's give well, it that. It's, it's Pacino and freaking Russell Crowe. So it's yeah, very it's well cast. Well cast. Uh, does it hold up in multiple viewings? No. 
oh, this this poor movie. <laughs> this movie's gonna get the finger. Oh, we're gonna give this movie the finger. This movie. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna say a half point for multiple viewings. Oh, don't even just do that. Beca- just don't I do don't, that. You, feel, you cannot feel bad for the movie. I don't want to give this movie the finger because it's better damn, than getting the finger. Eyes Wide Shut got the finger. Al this movie is, is better than Eyes Wide Shut. At his big ass mansion, watching himself on any given Sunday right now. Yeah. Thinking, <laughs> These assholes. Thinking that was a terrible movie. He does not. <laughs> he does not care. He got paid. He got paid fine. either way. That's true. Um. Yeah, I, but like I said, I I have seen the movie a couple times and been equally as bored and enjoyed <laughs> the, the both times. You know, like it was you are fine. Much more, you are much more willing to forgive these movies than I am. I see it's a movie better movie than Eyes Wide Shut. I just don't want it to be the same as Eyes Wide Shut. Like that's reserved for like really shit. Well, we never movies. actually put Eyes Wide Shut through a metric. We didn't, but I guarantee. And I, I would it gets say a finger. Eyes Wide Shut would be a zero. Honestly. We can put Eyes Wide Shut on this because it's a Kubrick But it's Kubrick funnier to give Eyes Wide Shut the finger. <laughs> <laughs> and would you recommend this? Nah. One and a half fingers. One well, and you a know half. I can't give the finger without giving a, a little bit of finger, a half. A little bit of a half finger. All right, one and so a half. One and a half fingers. Oh, man. All right. The Sixth Sense. Is it timeless? Does it hold up? Over time. The problem with The Sixth Sense is that, is it a great movie when you already know the ending? Not really. It's not. because not really. And that, that goes also to Timeless, because is the movie it timeless? It is timeless. When you see it for the first time, uh, if you saw it now or you saw it back then, like if you're introducing it to somebody else, they would be like, oh Wait, my God, that was an amazing genre. movie. Think of the genre. It is in a genre of suspense mm-hmm. and even horror, thrillers. Sure. It's in that genre. One of my favorite all-time movies is The Bad Seed. Okay. Okay. That movie, black and white, old movie. It's a black and white movie and you watched it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as cynical on, you know, in my movie movie watching as I portray. Oh, okay. But, <laughs> but Bad Seed is a great movie. That movie holds up now. I can still watch that movie because it is just as damn creepy when I watch it now, knowing the ending and what she does in that movie. So the sixth sense. So sixth sense does it does that is that just as timeless because you have to apply that. Well, the feeling end the end isn't quite as meaningful, but the rest of the film is. There's moments in that film that still make me jump, even though I know exactly. Like the very what's gonna very happen. end of that film when he's telling his mom that he can see dead people, mm-hmm. and he's standing next to the, and she says, "There's a car accident up front." Yeah, and I know. She says, "I know." She's standing right next to you. Yeah. That is the creepiest part of that movie. I just got chills Me too. talking about it. Me too, right now. The the uh there's there's a few jump scares in that movie that still get me every time and I know that they're happening when he goes He's in the in tent? the bathroom. No, no, he goes to the bathroom in the middle of the night and the um the ghost walks by the bathroom door. Oh yeah. There's a there's a, a music swell that's a jump scare and it gets me every fucking time. And then when the girl grabs him, grabs his foot. When he's at the funeral, yeah, that gets me every time. Like so, the the movie works on all of those levels through multiple viewings. The ending is just weakened by you knowing that Bruce Willis is dead the whole time. But I would also argue that going back and watching it a second or third time, now, knowing that information multiple times, yes, that's why I'm I'm torn about the multiple viewings thing because I have watched it multiple times because it's a great film. But ugh, so maybe maybe we don't. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we give it ha- half points on multiple viewing because it, it is weaker. Half point on multiple viewings, I would say. Half point on multiple viewings, but still timeless? No, I would say, dude, you know what? It fulfills the category because we've both seen it multiple times. And right. I would go watch it another time. All right, multiple viewings. it still makes you jump. It does. still every, makes you jump. Every single time. It's well cast. It's very well cast. Tony Collette, uh, Haley Joel Osment. Haley Bruce- Joel Osment is the best part of that film. He's He's so good. And frankly, what's it called? Um, the Wal- uh, Wahlberg. Donnie Wahlberg. Donnie Wahlberg in the beginning. Oh, his shining moment. My gosh, that is uh, as a like a little cameo piece, like one of the more effective emotionally, you know, that you'll see in cinema. It's crazy it good. good. A compelling story of yeah, that's absolutely. It's, it's a well written story. And would you recommend it? If yeah. somebody hadn't, if seen somebody the hadn't six, seen Six Sense, absolutely. I'd be like, you are a idiot and i'm not gonna tell you the ending you gotta go watch it now and i want to sit there with you while you yes. watch this movie and i'd be like you got to put on on noise canceling headphones right now until you get home and see it just <laughs> yeah. in case someone tells you the don't ending even now. google it <laughs> it'll ruin it 
So yeah, I, I mean, yeah, it so fulfills got, all the needs. It's timeless. It's a compelling story. It's well cast, multiple viewings. And then would you recommend it? Yes. So this is a five finger movie. Five finger movie, The Sixth Sense. Now, if anybody's listening to this and they don't agree with that, fuck off. <laughs> Moving on to American Beauty. Uh, American Beauty won this category. They are the Academy Award winner. Now, is this have we gone through all of them? This the this nominees? is the last nominee, and so then we're then we're going to tack onto it. Man on the Moon and Fight Club. Yeah, but we've already gone through all the nominees, and now this is the Academy Award winner. This right? is the winner right here. Yeah. American Beauty. Now, I lo- I absolutely love this movie. I got every person that I could. The year that this came out, I got every person I could to watch this movie. Really? Based on Ralph Garman on (laughs) K-Rock. That's a local L.A. radio station. His review of this movie was so good, I went and saw it that weekend. And then after seeing it, I thought it was so good that I told every single person I knew to watch this movie. To watch American Beauty. Yeah. I thought it was so good. It's a really good film. And the Academy fell in love with it. The Academy nominated this a fuck ton. I I think most of the cast won... Or was nominated, or it was the least nominated. Yeah, it, it's a it's a really tight film. Uh, the story story wise, it's also kind of funny. It it's got some comedic parts. It's got some some really sort of off social parts uh, to it. Um, this movie is is sort of about like breaking the expectations of the mundane the mundanity of life. Is that a word? Mundanity. I don't think mundanity is a word. It's about breaking the monotony the ex- of life. Yes, it's about breaking the expectations. It's about the of, danger of monotony. It is about the dangers of monotony and sort of breaking, uh, you know, free from that. And when somebody is brave enough to sort of break free from that and like live their best life, and it empowers other people to also find the beauty in it the also mundane. F- makes people fearful. Of somebody who is living free, right? That's also another aspect of this. It's a great theme, you know, that that runs through this movie, and I think that helps make it timeless. Um, because those 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 themes don't change through time, right? However, yeah, pushing against those stigmas. Whatever however, it has a very creepy vibe in this movie. It is a guy who is fantasizing about a seventeen-year-old girl. Yes, it's very creepy. It's uncomfortable. It is also a military dad who is fantasizing about his neighbor. Yes, who is a man? That that part of the story is so heartbreaking. Now, the, as, as far as characters involved with other characters, it it works to fulfill the narrative of the story well within the context of the movie. But, but you know. let's talk about the elephant in the room: the camera in the bag. Okay, yeah, that is a part of the film that is weird. I, I believe that is a, a sort of nod to the filmmaker himself and what inspired him to um, create a movie about like seeing the beauty in the world around you. Um, where nobody's paying attention, essentially. Yeah. He's filming a bag. Well, he's filming the way yeah, that something is floating along in life. He's filming a fucking bag. It was a bag. <laughs> and I understand your scorn. <laughs> but it doesn't take away from the overall film for me. But, yeah. Now, it did lead to a lot of great parody. It did. <laughs> like, it did. There's a the lot. The character of, of him in... <laughs> Not another, not, another movie. Movie, yeah, not another teen which movie, which is one of the best parodies ever. <laughs> I actually think not another teen movie when that came out should have had some kind of award. <laughs> it might have. It might have got an MTV Movie Award or something like that. Um, <clears throat> so it's timeless because I think Chris Evans was the star of that movie. He, he was, yeah, yeah he that's was Chris Evans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it holds up to multiple viewings. You just said you took everybody to go see this movie. I've seen this movie multiple times. Uh, it holds up to multiple viewings. So it's, it's half timeless. It's, it holds up to multiple viewings. It's a compelling story. Uh, cast, I think it's an incredible cast. It is an incredible cast. Uh, and would you recommend somebody watch this movie? You did recommend a bunch of people watch this movie. I did, but at this point I wouldn't. So not anymore? Not anymore. I wouldn't now go, oh, you got to go watch American Beauty. I would. I, I think I, I would. Go out of my way to have people watch it. Uh, where are we with the metric? It's, uh, half timeless. It's compelling. Well cast. And half recommend. So we're at four. American Beauty mm. receives a score of four. So it holds up to the Green Mile and Side House rules. But there's a clear clear front runner here in just the nominees. Now, that's currently the sixth sense with, with a five. Let's see how that stacks up then against our Man on the Moon, and our Fight Club, which we're adding to this list. Okay, let's do Man on the Moon. Man on the Moon. Is it timeless? I say period piece, yes. It's a biopic, yes. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue against it being timeless. Okay. 
Is it uh, hold up to multiple viewings? Um, I would not watch it more than once, but I say yes. I've seen this movie a bunch of times. Uh, I, I honestly think this movie is a little boring. Really, I do. I, I think it's a little boring. Okay, so that gives it like half a point. You're not going to watch it again. Um, I I would have I've watched this movie several times and love but you're, it. But you're but remember you're I was an Andy Kaufman a, fan. You are an Andy Kaufman fan. You really like Andy and Kaufman. A Jim Carrey fan. And now I am a diehard Jim Carrey Carrey fan. I love everything he does. I did not like this movie that much. Hmm. Okay, and right. I I watched everything he does, even Dumb and Dumber Two. You saw Dumb and Dumber Two? Yeah. That was and one of those I couldn't get. I couldn't see, get to. That's what I'm saying. So I love Jim Carrey, but I I thought this was a little bit heavy for him. It's it's possible, but again, like he's doing a biopic of an icon. Well, half multiple viewings. It's um, timeless, compelling story. It is a compelling story. Yeah, the story of Andy Kaufman is very compelling. Is it well cast? Yeah, Jim Carrey. I, I think it's incredibly well cast. Uh, Paul Giamatti is Bob, Zamut, Bob Zamuda. Uh, Jim Carrey plays two roles kind of in this. He also yeah, plays Tony Clifton. Tony Clifton. Um, so it's well cast. And our final one, would you recommend this film? I wouldn't. You would not recommend this film? Not recommend someone go out and see this Ooh, movie. really? Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't. I if would someone totally said they recommend didn't see film. Man on the Moon, I wouldn't go up to them and go, man, you got to go out and see this. I'd be like, eh. All right, well, it, it might be my Kaufman bias, but I would totally recommend people seeing this movie. One for, like, Jim Carrey not doing Ace Ventura or some, or The Mask or something but like that. But there's more than just that. I mean, I would actually... Um, but two, because it's an awesome... Not, I'm awesome is probably not the right word, but it's a it's a really compelling film. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Another one of the Jim Carrey movies. I would, that I would recommend, recommend that overseeing this one. Okay, that's fair. So it gets four. Uh, which is on par with American Beauty, The Green Mile, Cider House Rules. Okay, you know the the half, the double halves make it make a whole. <laughs> if you know, if we're if we're going with math, you know, I don't like math. Uh, and finally, Fight Club. Fight Club. Fuck. Take us through. Yeah. Okay. Is it timeless? Yes. I mean, you can always fight your friends. <laughs> It's such a like, it's such a surreal. It's movie. also the most quotable movie. It is in an history. Incredible. If you uh, walk up at anybody and say the first rule of Fight Club is don't talk about Fight Club, everyone can finish that sentence. Yeah, it's incredibly quotable. Uh, it's definitely like it's a cult film, but it's also a mainstream hit. Too like it 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 is one of those. I am I am Jackson Flame sense of rejection. The IKEA catalog stuff, the the way they put all the the graphics up is really cool stylistically. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sort of surreal nature in which this is told and the twist at the end, it's incredibly timeless. Yes. Also, it's the first movie I remember really being introduced to Helena Bonham Carter. Helena or Helena? Helena. Helena Bonham Carter. Helena. Helena, I think. Tomato? So. Tomato. Tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. It's uh, It holds up to multiple viewings, yes? Yeah, I still watch this movie. I Absolutely. Would, I would watch this. I, I'm going to watch this after we're done with this. We probably. You yeah. know what? Let's pause. Let's watch the movie. Let's come back. Hold on. We're going we're gonna to do it right now. Hold on. Let's pause this. And we're back. Damn, that was, that was fucking a fucking great, great movie. movie. <laughs> Holy shit. God, I forgot how good that movie was. It is so good. So good. Man, Tyler Durden. Is it compelling? Yes. It is compelling. I mean, It's whatever. well cast. Yes, absolutely it's well cast. I Meatloaf think, is in this movie. <laughs> I think, honestly, that Brad Pitt is a very under underrated actor. I love me some Brad Pitt. I think he's an underrated actor because he is a pretty boy. I will watch any Brad Pitt movie. I will too. If he's Except for Benjamin bill, Button. Meh, you know. I'm recommending every person that listens to this watch that movie. If you haven't seen Fight Club, I'm not sure we can be friends. It's one of those movies. Yeah, I agree. That. You know what I mean? I like, if you haven't at least seen it. I'm that way with anybody who hasn't seen Cloverfield. <laughs> 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 yeah, you know. Or if you don't understand the significance of Chris Pine, 
I really believe that I'm not going to be your friend anymore. <laughs> um, perfect score for Fight Club. Perfect score. Five. Perfect score for Fight Club. Here's the thing. Fight Club and Sixth Sense, both movies that have incredible twists at the end. You know, I've noticed that since we've been diving into the nominees um, the way we have, most of these Academy Awards have kind of a theme going for them. Uh, so it really... It, you know, going with the theme of the the twist ending, then it really comes down to which twist is better, I guess, right? Um, They're both fives. I think that the Fight Club ending, um, even if you know that the ending is coming, even if you know what the ending is, you still love the movie. It doesn't affect the story that much if you know that Ed Norton and Brad Pitt are the same person. Right. I think in Sixth Sense, it ruins it a little bit. Well, or it doesn't necessarily ruin same. it. Yeah, it sort of diminishes the end of the movie yeah. significantly. It doesn't feel the same every time around. Yeah, I would I would agree with you. Yeah, I, I mean, The Sixth Sense, while the rest of the movie still holds up, even knowing that sort of twist at the end, the ending itself is a little diminished. The one the good thing about Fight Club is that Exciting. it is both a cult film and a movie that did well. And a movie that is timeless. Mm-hmm. So even though it's a little cultish, a little cult filmish, like Pulp Fiction was, that we thought that Pulp Fiction should have won, it is not just a film that is only acceptable and only liked among a few groups of people. So is the Sixth Sense. It, it, I mean, no, I mean, Sixth Sense is widely accepted as a great film mm-hmm. for that twist ending. Fight Club is not as widely respected for its twist ending. I've I've got it. Sixth Sense is not a great film without the twist ending. Agreed. All right, so that that's settled. They fucked up royally by one giving it to the wrong nominee, and two by not even nominating the person who or the the person the film that should have won in the first place. And I think we got to switch the envelope, man. I completely agree. Give it, take it away from American Beauty, which is a movie that I love and was okay with it winning the Oscar. And I actually thought the right movie got it. Right, but. Diving back in, I have to ask myself, why wasn't Fight Club even in contention for the Academy Award? Yeah, absolutely. It's settled. We've settled it. We're going to switch the envelope. Take the award away from American Beauty, switch the envelope to uh, Fight Club, give them the award. Sorry, 2000 Academy Awards, but you done fucked up. We're switching the envelope on you. Yeah, and if you have any issue with that, you can can tweet us at at Mark (laughs) Marin. No, I, I feel good. I feel good about this envelope switch. Yes. I feel good about it. Uh, but it, yeah, if you do have comments or if, if you think that, uh, you know, we hey, misrepresented did- a movie, you can you can hit us up on our Twitter at Switch Envelope. Or our Instagram is at Switch the Envelope. Or you can just go to switchtheenvelope.com and get connected to all of our stuff. Also, biggest thing, subscribe on iTunes and uh, give us a, a review on, on iTunes. Yeah. Preferably a favorable one. So, you know, get out there, spread the word, and uh, let's try to get on that new and noteworthy section of iTunes. So now to wrap things up, as always, (laughs) we're going to dedicate this podcast to the star of the 1999 film, You Know My Name, Mr. Sam Elliott. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, Sam. You're a gem. Riff Laugh Production.